Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, this is from Bricktown. Dad, how you doing? Doing wonderful. How you doing? You know, I can't complain. I'm down here at Wilmington, just finished my book and uh, following in your footsteps of research and writing. Good. No, we're doing fine here and we're, uh, we're getting our stuff done and uh, we're getting ready for uh, the RV uh, tour that's coming here in November of RV park owners to uh, check out our park. And we're trying to get our, our, our big yurt, which is the biggest yurt in America, to uh, make it into a conference center. So we got that together and slowly but surely we'll get our stuff done. Uh, listen, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing with the yurt, the camping, everything. Uh, what's going on in the world? Well, I, I, I watched the uh, Afghanistan stuff. It, that's, that's a disaster. And the thing that's interesting is uh, Trump actually, he acts, he acts like he had nothing to do with this. And the fact is that he got the Pakistanis to let the, let the uh, Taliban founder out of prison. They had him in prison for 10 years. And, it, and he says it, that's his buddy. And he wanted to bring him to Camp David. And now he knows nothing about nothing. He was the one who caused this to happen. We needed to get out of there, though, no question. It was just this was going to happen no matter what. I mean, it was just a matter of time. I mean, that shows you that we don't need to be nation-building. That billion dollars we spent over there, we should have spent here. As I've said in, in previous broadcasts, our airports are the worst airports in the whole world. Our, our, highways, our highway system is, is the highway system that was designed by Eisenhower, in 1950s, that's 60, 70 years ago. And you know, so, I mean, we need to spend the time here and our, our, our precious treasure here with our people and on our people. Uh, we can't, you know, we can't remake those people. That, that's who they are. And the Taliban and Afghanis, that's who they are. We coddled them and did this for them and tried to remake them and our enemies had no idea what, what a government was. And we, we expect them to do that. And, and that, now we're asking people who are, are looking at those people who are running and take, taking over the airport. Those are all young men. They were not born when we, we started coming to the uh, Afghan, taking over Afghanistan. So that's really kind of our responsibility, I guess. But you know, they want to now they're here, and that's all we need is, is, is hopefully. Unfortunately, a, a disaster of invasion of all these guys coming here. But we have unemployment now of, of people who have been here for generations. How, what are we going to do with these people? So we can't take, take responsibility for everybody in the entire world. And I'm sorry about how they treat girls. I have a feeling that may change. Because you have now a whole nation of, of women who've been coddled and, and worshipped and are in charge of stuff. Where, where before that, before that 20 years, they were just part of chattel, unfortunately. And that, that went back centuries. So we, we have changed Afghanistan, I think, permanently. The Taliban won't be able to do what they once did, but they'll do a lot, lot of damage, no question. I think they'll end up being more like uh, probably Saudi Arabia or anything else. but. The key thing is we control basically the entire budget. If we don't pay for stuff, they don't have anything. 
So they're, as much as they're, they're, they're giving us wolf tickets, they're not going to do anything. Otherwise, they don't eat. That, that is a, a country that depends upon giving its terrain that depends upon everybody else. The bad thing about it is we tried to do something that has defied uh, being conquered since Alexander the Great. That's the only thing he ever lost was when he went to Afghanistan. Uh, and you look at, look at all that, and we're talking about now 30, 40 centuries. Uh, we don't need to be there anymore, and I'm, and I'm glad that my son who went there, Tom, is getting out of there. He got out of there, and now he's back in Kuwait, and I hope he doesn't go there. Because uh, he's back in, he's on service for about uh, another, another six, seven months on active duty. But uh, no, this is, as, as a parent, I'm just terrified of this. And now we put 6,000 troops back in just to, just to, walk, just to guard the airport. I mean, uh, you've got a, a whole cadre of young people who don't know anything about the Taliban but what they've heard. And what they've heard is, is terrible. So this, this is, you, you're going to probably have a civil war uh, among the Afghanis because what the Taliban wants, they won't be able to do necessarily. And the women are now sticking up and saying, no, you can't do this dance anymore. And at some point, that's going to break. So it'll be interesting as we go through all, as they go through all of this. But they have all, our, all, of, all these weapons that we gave them. So they, they, could, they could really you know, do a lot of damage. But the key thing is we basically paid for everything. And, and we have all of their money. So they won't be able to do but so much. And Afghanistan, more than almost any other country, depends upon everybody else. It is the weak sister nation, basically, in the whole world, just about. So it's, that's dominating everything else. I don't, I don't think that Biden did the wrong thing. I think he looks bad. He was at Camp David when these people got released and everything. He, nobody, he's nowhere to be found. That was stupid. And then after he did his address the other day, I'm going back to Camp David. That's not too smart, frankly. It means that nobody's in charge. And that's, that's, that's not very good. But I guess that's, that's what I, you know, that's one of the things that are going on. And uh, that's what's in the world today. And it's, it's dominating the news and everything else. And uh, then you have, I was watching Rachel Maddow yesterday. And she does her, 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 her schnick for females. That's okay. Uh, she's probably, the, in many ways, the best of these talking heads. Because she's smarter than all the rest of them. She's, you know, she's a Rhodes Scholar. So she's, she's smarter than all the rest of them. She does research and everything else. And uh, her show is one of the best ones. I never miss it because it's one of the best ones out there. I know you and TikTok Grandma. Uh, who's TikTok Grandma? Grandma TikTok? Don't know who that is. It, when is Rachel coming back? Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. And... And then the guy said, well, she'll be back next Monday. And then comes down, of course, Rachel's on the air about an hour later anyway. So, to me, it really stupid. But, no, she's, she's by far on MSNBC their biggest star. She, she has more audience than anybody else. And because of her, Lawrence, Lawrence is who's behind her, has the second biggest audience. And he over, they overshot everybody else. Because everybody watches them. And she's... She's, she's got a, a good example of how you apply a scholar to a problem, and she solves it. 
and she's she's just very very smart. I, I admire her very much. She, she's a Rhodes Scholar, and I, I do admire her. Uh, I had a buddy once that was uh, a Sigma, who was a, who was a Rhodes Scholar, Scholar finalist in California. He was he was very smart. So all these things, uh, as you watch them, it's uh, about everything is circular. But we're in a period now where we're in very much danger of the democracy falling. you got to realize that if it wasn't for a couple of people in the Justice Department, Trump would have taken over the country and then been, been a dictator forever and ever until he died, and then his crazy son would have probably taken over after that. You know, this, this third of the country or thereabouts, they, 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 they are worshipping a false idol in this case, Trump. I don't know. He acts like he's going to live forever. I don't. He's actually a year or two older than I am, and I know I'm not going to live forever. So I, I sit down and I watch watch him, and he spouts up all this thing like like this Afghanistan stuff he caused. Almost everything that Biden is doing is cleaning up the mess he made in those four years, and that was with a minority of the country sucking up to him, and then the richest one or two percent. They said, we want more money, even though we have all the money. When the richest five or six people have as much money as, as, as a third of the country, that's wrong. It's worse than, than the French Revolution and Marie Antoinette. And, they, and squawking about raising taxes by 2 or 3% on them. God. You know, that, that's just warped more than anything else. But... Um, I guess I'm, I'm doing okay, and, I, and my health is actually pretty good. Uh, for a guy that's 76 and has watched all this over time, watched my, my babies grow up into to big people like you and Bobby and Heather and the rest of the, rest of the crew I have. I talked to Chris yesterday for about, about an hour, and he's, he's about to be a foreman in uh, Minnesota for his, his heavy equipment stuff that he does, and that's good. Tommy's in Kuwait for another six or seven months, and uh, hopefully we can all pray for him, and he'll be back, you know, and, and unharmed. He only has about another two, two or three years before he, he, he's got his 20 in, and I think he'll leave. But uh, he's, he's served our country well. I don't want him to go back to Afghanistan or anywhere else. So. Uh, not for 20 years. So that, that's been good. That's what his mother just said. But other than that, uh, on a, on, a, on, a, on a notice, though, I was, I was thinking about the St. Albans Collegians. That was my basketball club that we have in New York City. And New York City is a basketball haven for street basketball or, or park basketball, basically. And the St. Albans Collegians was something I created, and we had some of the best basketball players in the country. Got a lot of, a lot of guys scholarships to major colleges, and, and it shaped a whole lot of young people's lives. Uh, and that was just uh, something I decided I was going to do. I was going to be a basketball coach. And I made myself a basketball coach. And I eventually became a college basketball coach. And uh, I was pretty good at it. So, I, But I was, that, I was, that was on my mind this week about some of the people we had in the St. Albans Collegians. Uh, and they went on to a lot of different places. Boston College, University of Rhode Island, all kinds of different places. I would say that we, we turned out probably a hundred college athletes at various times. 
And New York City is a hotbed of basketball, and I think that dominated a large part of my early life. And it's, I was thinking about that the other day, and that's among the many things that we did. And it's, uh, as I watch basketball now, the game has changed so much with, with the three-point three point lane. It's become a, a little person's game. When you look at Steph Curry, as an example, and his brother Steph, they are—they aren't big people. They're much smaller than, much shorter than their father, who is also a sharpshooter in the NBA. But with the three-point line, that changed the entire game. As we, as I watched it in the Olympics, uh, the fact that Kevin Kevin Durant, uh, who's probably the best player in the world, who's seven feet tall, could shoot consistently from three-point. That's the only reason we won. We would have lost. We wouldn't have made it to the final game if it wasn't for Kevin Durant. And I thought that the, the, the USA crew played wonderful together. I thought it was, a, 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 they, they weren't the best players we had, but they played well together. And, and they, they sure talked about how, that, how the basketball game has changed since when I was there. So the little guy has a place now if he can shoot for way, way out. And there's a lot of little guys in the NBA who would not have been in there when I was coming up. I remember that I was playing against guards who went to the NBA who were 6'5", 6'6". Now they're 7 feet tall. And basically, Kevin Durant, most of the time, is a guard. So uh, he doesn't do very much rebounding, if you notice, and doesn't block very many shots, as a 7-footer usually would do. He's way, way out, and he's a great shooter. And right now, he's the best player in the world. So, but that's just on me, I, and I watched a lot. The, the Olympics this year was kind of a disappointment for me. Uh, they they featured all these sports that I knew nothing about. I don't know anything about skateboarding except that my son Chris used to skateboard, and that was about it. And they had all these, you know, most outlandish stuff they used to have in the Olympics was rhythmic, rhythmic uh, gymnastics with ribbons and stuff. Now they got half the Olympics and stuff that I don't want to know nothing about. And then they have the sports I really want to know, you can't find them. <laughs> I mean, I tried to. I, I, I had my, my, my DVR on just Olympics to copy hours and hours. And uh, for every 10 hours they had, where I, I, I copied, I'd say about an hour is worth, worth something. This was the worst Olympics to watch I've ever seen. And it's unfortunate because the Koreans spent most of their money for, this, for that. Or okay. Japanese. Japanese, sorry. They spent most of their money for that Olympics, and it was just—they would be paying for that for half a century. That's just awful. You know, the Olympics needs, needs needs to rethink how it does what it does. And my suspicion is what they will do is being going back to old venture venues that you already have and just re, reuse them again, because most most of those venues are just collecting dust and and growing grass, but nobody's using them. All those venues that the uh, you know the people in Tokyo built, those were empty during the Olympics. And they'll be empty forever, and that's just awful. What a waste of money! A country that didn't you know didn't really have that much necessarily. They, they they're trying to do, to do that, but Japan is really a very small country. It's just a series of islands, and that's just awful. So, but now that the, the pipe is coming due, and it's going to be. They'll be paying taxes on this for 20 years. So, 
that's that's my state of the world if you want to know that. And uh, all that's, right, that's, right. What, what's what's your? I heard you 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 just finished another book. Tell me what it's about. So I published a new book. It's called Seed Time and Harvest: The okay. Organic Sales Process. Oh, good. Okay. And how do these people so, find this book? It's on Kindle. It's on Amazon. It'll be on my website. The book is really about, you know, how if I just started my business yesterday, how do I now begin a process to make sales today? Okay, that's good. I think it'll be a bestseller, and uh, once, once people catch on to it, it'll be good. But you, you always have been very smart, Heavy Drop. You always have been very smart, and I'll give you that. You, you, and you're the most persistent of my children. Uh, but uh, I'm very proud of you, and everybody else in the family is also. Um, so that's I love good. you, Dad, and uh, praise God. God has blessed me. And uh, growing up with you, you read a lot. You know, I used to see you just in the chair reading books. Now, your your reading was more fiction, sci-fi. But just the fact that I'm looking at a black man reading every day, it made me read more. Good. Uh, reading has been one of the uh, great strengths I've always had all my life, and uh, I was always very good at it. And if I wasn't able to read, and it wasn't for Miss Cosin telling my mother that I needed to buy, but she needed to buy me a set of encyclopedias. I think I said it earlier, telecast. That basically I wouldn't think I'd be anything. Reading is not only fundamental; it's what made my life and everybody around me's life better. I shudder to think of what would have become of me with all my other partners and stuff on my block. I have been by far the most successful person who's on my block ever. And that's a testament to my parents and their stick-to-this. And my mother was the most dominant person that I ever met other than Ronald Reagan. And when I met Ronald Reagan in the White House, he reminded me so much of my mother, believe it or not. Because uh, his personality is one that just grabs you. Uh, he wasn't very smart, believe it or not, but his personality, that was, that was his gift. And the one thing I guess I've learned in life is everybody has at least one gift. Everybody. And if they can take advantage of that gift, they usually do well. Reading was actually really probably my, my one gift. So that I can go to any setting and I know a lot about what they're talking about, no matter what it is. And I probably have experienced it already, in any case. And as I go through the what we're doing here with our RV park here, and I think I may have said it before, but they have an RV park owners have a tour where they, they, they go to various parts of that convention, and they do a, a visit of a number of parks and what they're doing, and we're on the tour. We're the first black park in, in the history of that organization to be on the tour so people could see what we're doing. And we've got some interesting things. We're the most interesting and different park in the whole country. I remember talking to uh, Goldenberg, who runs the Woodall magazine for RV parks. And I was talking to him the other day, and I was telling him that we're the most unusual park in America. And he agreed. There's no other park that has tiny houses and glamping pods and different kinds of yurts. Nobody knows the park in the country has that. And there are 15,000 parks in America. 
So we, we've done something that's kind of revolutionary, and we kind of believe it. And as I, as I go through how our 13 years of being in this, in this park industry, our park has, has an ethos of, of a family. It's a 1950s campground. Nobody, nobody beats up on anybody. There's no cursing going on. There's no wildness. People come and go, and they want to come and stay here. And we stay for we turn we turn away people every day because we don't have any more spaces. But we're in the process of, of, of expanding now, and we'll slowly but surely expand. And when you take over over the park, I'm sure you'll expand it more too because we have plenty of land, and we'll do it. And remember, this is the land, and this is the best use of the property of Hector McMillan, my great-grandfather, who was freed as a slave when he was eight years old. This is the best use of, of the park and of the land, and we'll do something with it. I, I'm proud of myself and what we've done. My wife, Sharon, and the kids who helped out, Lars, and everybody else who's helped, who's helped us out at various times. And of course, Tommy, is in, who's now in, now in, in Kuwait, he spent a number of years running the park, and he, he was, uh, he's, he's done some revolutionary things. We're the only park in America that gives away free firewood. It's those new, and that's what, what a lot of campgrounds do. They nickel and dime you little stuff. We don't do that. You know, so we have, we have, we have a lot of trees. So if we're cutting out a tree for whatever reason, we cut it into fire, firewood kind of, kind of spaces and we give it away. Because we have grills throughout the park. So that is, you know, we've done interesting things. Now that you're in the park business and doing stuff, I expect you'll copy a lot about things, and that would be great. And that, that's, we need to be, have people in, in the park business, because we provide a whole different ethos in how to do it, and a whole opening to a different clientele, not only, you know, just Caucasians, but folks. And that's, that's a, a growing segment of the uh, RV market and marketplace, and we, 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 we man, that's good. I'm sitting here watching uh, my knucklehead uh, cat, cat uh, Fluffy, who's 11 years old, and 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 Happy, uh, our rescue dingo, and, and she rubs her butt, of course, his face. <laughs> He's sitting there looking at her. <laughs> but uh, we have uh, now four animals, because cause the wife picked up another stray cat called Spike. Who, who decides to visit everybody in the campground. He visits every campground, every camper in the campground. And they all know him. And it's, 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 as I said, it's interesting. And of course, our, our other little dog here, Patches, who's a rescue puppy. Well, actually, uh, what's the name of the rescue dog? Also, Happy is also. And, but Happy is probably about the same age as, as uh, Fluffy. They're both about 11 years old. And. Uh, as I watch their, their animal behaviors, it's become very, very interesting. I, I really was never a student of animal behavior before, but now I do, and I watch it, and I say, man, these guys are interesting. And they both, they, they communicate with you what they want and what they don't want. What have you learned from animal behaviors? Well, they're smarter than you think they are. They understand what you're saying and what, what, you, what, you, what you want, and they do it. And they actually have a timetable. Uh, Happy tells me what time he needs to go out at night. He goes out for about you know five or ten minutes and comes right back in. Uh, we have a, we have a pet door, so uh, Fluffy comes in and out of the pet door and the front door, and she's sitting sit in front of the front door until we open the door so she can come and, and eat eat in our living room. You know, so it's this is these are smart animals. I mean, I don't, I don't 
we've inadvertently trained them. But they're, they're very uh, they're very interesting. And most of our, our latest one is Batches. He's very protective. We've never had an animal that was as protective as he is of us. So we, he, he walks, he has to be walked on a leash, otherwise he'll bite people. You know, he's a little thing too. And it's not that he's that big, but he's, you know, he, he'll, he can jump up to, to your hand and bite you. And he's actually bitten a couple of people. Something I never had an animal bit anybody. But he's friendly and he loves us. And we're the only people, we got when he was a month old. He's now two years old, so we're the only people he's ever known. Uh, other than you know puppies when he was little, so he's he's interesting. But him and the cats go out, and him and Spike go at it a little bit, and they they have when other dogs who have a huge dog park, half acre dog park, and other other people in our park have dogs, and he loves to go out and play with other dogs. He's he's just an interesting. The animals here are one of the things that make it very different than most of our, most of our parks. But it's like a 1950s Arby park, and it's very family oriented. And it's very peaceful. We've never had a robbery or theft or anything else in our park. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And the, and the people here have been very nice. And we've had only one or two bad apples. We had one guy who left his RV here. I'm not sure what to do with it right now, but he left a mess. So we're close, fully but surely cleaning up the mess, and we'll have to probably auction off or whatever we do with this RV and tow it out of here. But uh, he left about six or eight months ago, and we haven't seen him since. He's somewhere in the Midwest and probably listening to us. If so, give us a call. His phone number was cut off, so we don't know how to reach him. But that's just part of being an Arby Park owner. You'll experience this too. So, but uh, the one thing that's interesting is, is the glamping pod is uh, a big hit. People, people, and I think we've posted some of some of the re- remarks from people. People love it because it's the most unique building in the country. It's an upside down boat. And uh, people, you know, book it from Airbnb like you won't believe. So you need to put a, put a bid in for your uh, a part in one of your places. Of course, the, the waiting list this now is about a year and a half. But put a bid in and, and see what happens. I will. So, uh, what what are your plans, Rudy, for your for your new RV park? I think you bought some more land, didn't you? No, Dad, I'm still uh, thinking about it, praying about it. I think my main goal is to get people back into nature. Yep. Uh, so, however we do that in a sustainable way that can pay for the land. Uh, well, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. Like, have you looked at uh, going on with the Colorado River? Have I looked at what? Have you looked at what's going on with the Colorado River? Yeah, that, yeah. that's the next disaster in this whole country. That was, as, as Barry Goldwater said, he saw he voted for it. Because what they had done is, is set up a situation where we are, we are providing all this water from the Colorado River to a number of entities that without the Colorado River don't exist anymore, including Las Vegas, parts of California, parts of Mexico. They don't exist without the Colorado River. And, and, it, and the Colorado River is drying up. Uh, Rudy, you're getting a lot of static now. Uh, I'm, I'm by the ocean, I think. Well, that's better right now. It's, it's better. But that's, that's, that's the next disaster that's going to hit the country. 
It's a slow motion disaster. I, I remember going to Lake Mead in Las Vegas, which is where the whole Hoover Dam is. And I, I, I watch pictures of it now, and it's, it's not even a lake anymore. It's about down a hundred something feet. And it wasn't until very recently I realized there was another lake further back that actually feeds it. And they're all part of the Colorado River. And I remember going to the, the, the Hoover Dam and going, you go underneath it and actually there's turbines. And you can walk and, walk and see it. And it provides electricity. It's a very, very well thought out situation, but it's now in danger of uh, wiping out. And if, it, if the Colorado River dries up, half the country, or that literally in population, would be in deep trouble. Because remember, that western part of the country is just desert. We've reclaimed it, but it's just desert. And we're talking about tens of millions of people. Uh, there's a, a, a movie, uh, I guess it's a, it's a movie, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime now, it says, How the States Got Their Shapes. And that's, it's very fascinating because it tells you how we, how we did it over time, over 200 years. And there's a whole lot of stuff that I, even as a politician, didn't even know about. Uh, and I find it, it's fascinating. It's only about an hour and a half, but it, it's fascinating. I would tell everybody to, to, to look at it if possible. And I have no, no interest in it except to tell you that educationally it's great. So, but anyway, that, those are the things that are going on in my life this, this year. And as, as I'm, I'm getting ready for my niece, Jamaica, is supposed to come in. We're supposed to be building bath, bath houses next week and getting ready to do that and getting stuff and stuff Yeah, done. she's so, almost here. Yeah, so she'll be here uh, next Wednesday for about four or five days and we'll try to get that together. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll come toward the end of the show, Dad. What is your words of advice for the future? Be kind to your neighbor. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And give, give back to people. Don't don't be a spoil sport. Give back, and don't don't and have a happy disposition about your life, and you'll live longer. People who are angry die faster, mm. and that's just a fact. Just be just be gentle and be nice to people. If you be nice to people, it comes back to you every single time. And I said, with that, I say, adios, muchachos. Everybody out there, be safe. Thank you. Love you, Dad. <laughs>